Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. The link is an NPO which supports and develops literacy and numeracy in children for whom English is a second language and who attend low-income schools in Johannesburg. There are currently 17 link centers operating at schools and are reaching about 800 children every week. Maggie Fussell is the coordinator of Link, and she joins me now to tell me more. Maggie, welcome, and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you for the time and the ability to let you know more about what we do. Maggie, there was a report recently that showed that most children leave grade one without the knowledge of the alphabet, while 82% of grade fours cannot read for meaning. Is this Does this correlate with what you're seeing in the schools? Absolutely. Um, and it's, you know, everyone blames COVID, but I think the reality was that COVID just maybe pulled off the band-aid and we saw what was happening. So uh, yeah, our program works with grade two children and we started with grade two children because we thought, well, they would know their sounds so we could get them reading more effectively. But the reality is that we are spending a lot of our time now teaching the children the sounds and they are in grade two. So they have finished grade one and they still don't know their sounds so it's very real and then teaching them for comprehension because you know children can read I call it word calling they can read a whole passage and then you ask them you know who was it about or what did you read about and they've got no idea so reading for comprehension is also something that we we focus on teaching them even when we're teaching them the sounds yeah I mean I, I liked your analogy of pulling off the past and revealing the wound is this um, what you're seeing in all schools across Johannesburg? And which, in which case, what is it systematic of? Symptomatic of? The biggest, I don't know what it's symptomatic of. I, I wish I knew because then we could just fix it. The reality is, is that the children are not speaking English at home. For some of them, it might be their third language. They might be speaking French or one of the South African, African languages or another African language from Africa. And English is what they, the medium of instruction at the school that they're at, because we work at schools that the medium of instruction is English. So the English they hear is in the classroom. They don't hear English on the playground. They don't hear English in the transport going home. They don't hear English um, at home. So it is very difficult. And something that I learned that there are five sounds or vowel sounds in African languages a, e, i, o, u and in English we've got those five sounds a, e, i, o, a but there are another whole range of other sounds that they also make so the vowels are also very difficult so there's, there's no one reason um, I think of I kind of think historically when we were trying to learn Afrikaans you know it, it was as difficult so they're not they're not exposed to English um, and a lot of the teachers, English is not their first language and they will code switch. And I fully understand why they code switch because they need to get the message across to the children. So it's just a whole mishmash of, of reasons. So, you know, we do try to do the intervention. Uh, we also try and work with the teachers at the schools to let them know what we're doing so that we're doing the same thing and to ensure that they're teaching the children the sounds of the letters because a lot of the children can sing the ABC song, but ABC doesn't help you to read. ABC enables you to read. So it's also understanding that sort of thing. So it's, it's a huge thing. So my answer to your question is, I don't know what it is, but they aren't exposed to English 
to the degree that they need to be if they are at an English medium school, and it's it's nobody's fault. It is just what the system is. Maggie, how did you get involved with them? Um, I was working full time at an independent school at St Mary's, and I then went part time. And there was a call for somebody to or people to work at HA Jack, where I'm based as a link volunteer. And I started that in about 2011 as a volunteer um, and absolutely loved it. And I then actually left full-time teaching to do some remedial support at HHAC through another organization, but carried on working as a volunteer. So it's been a long road, but it is the most rewarding, beautiful work when you hear a child, you know, just getting the sounds right or putting at together and getting cat. Um, and it's it's more than learning to read. When they are at the link, it's a space where they feel safe, where they feel heard, where they feel nurtured, where they are encouraged because they come out of classes of 40 to 70 children in a class and that teacher can't give her time. Whereas when they sit with a volunteer and it's one-on-one time, it it is incredibly special. Um, Yeah, so that's me. I've been with it and I'm passionate about it and seeing the difference it makes and the impact that it has on the children, sometimes on their families, and even for teachers, sometimes the teachers will come and just say, thank you, you doing for the children what we can't do in class because we haven't got the time or something like that. So it's that the joy of being in service to others, as Desmond Tutu said. So that's my, my new favorite phrase. You know, you find joy by being in service to others. So, yeah, that's where mm-hmm. we're at. Maggie, tell me a little bit about Link and the work that you do and what is required. So what is required is two hours a week from a volunteer. You do not have to be a teacher. You don't have to be trained in education in any way. We do do online training now. In fact, we're running a numeracy training tomorrow and a literacy training next Friday. Um, and then it's just a willingness to be present for children. And so, yeah, so that that's what we do. So we work with um, primarily grade two children. And you come in and you spend time with that child. You They read to you or you teach them their sounds. You play a game. And then the last 15 minutes of the session is where we read to them, read them a story. Um, and while you're reading, you stop and you ask them questions and what do they think and how do you think? Because a lot of our children can't think for themselves. They, you know, they don't know how to think a different idea. Um, that, you know, they're very used to a stock standard answer and children need to know how to think creatively and to problem solve. So as little as they are, we start with those sort of questions. So that's where we are. Yeah. You speak about one-on-one. Um, and I think probably the child just sitting close and having that attention is probably the most useful thing. The children you, you're teaching are not remedial children. These are not special needs children. They're just ordinary children that need a little bit of extra help. What more volunteers, are more volunteers needed? Absolutely. We are, we constantly do a drive for volunteers for our centers because the more, cho- the more volunteers we have, the more children we can help. So at a center, we've got 20 volunteers in a two-hour session. We can help 40 children. Sometimes with some of the volunteers who've been with us for a while, we they take two children in the session. 
um, so you can have more children. So absolutely volunteers. The, the difficulty is that some of our centers are not in um, areas that some people feel comfortable maybe driving to. So what we encourage is people to create a lift scheme and four of you jump into a car and go to a center. And none of the centers are in places that are not safe and all the centers have got off, have got safe, secure parking. So it's, it's just committing to two hours a week, um, that, that we, we ask of volunteers. And once they've done the training, they can sit with another volunteer and sort of see how it gets done and then slowly take on a child. And once they've spent one or two sessions with children, they often, um, think, Oh, actually this isn't so difficult. And there's always support. We have wonderful center managers who are also volunteers, um, who are then also there to help our volunteers to, guide them if they're feeling a bit stuck with something. And you say our children aren't remedial. Well, we don't test them. Um, some of them may be uh, needing more intensive remedial, and often we'll say to the volunteer after a certain period of time, if they feel no progress is being made, they'll chat to the teacher and a decision is made whether they stay with the program or not. But very seldom do we let children go. We persevere with them, even if we just spend the whole year teaching them. So... It's, it's it's a beautiful thing to be involved with, and it's so easy to do. I can I can hear how rewarding it is just listening to you. You've got seventeen link centres. Do you want to mention some of the schools that you work in? I've got to remember them putting me under the. So the ones that are close by here, we've got H.A. Jack, Orange Grove, Norwood. Uh, then we go far out to River Sands. We've got Nokopila, which is in uh, President Ridge that way. We've got out in Florida, Sunny Ridge, Mel Park, Clopper Park, Sparrow School, also Parktown Public, uh, Salvazioni, Fordsburg Primary, and we have now opened a center in Asadville, out Cartonville Way, and are also opening a center within the next month or so in Soweto. And I know that I've forgotten one or two in that range. Oh, no, no, that's fine. Um, what are the determining factors for you to open up a centre? So we feel very strongly that we do not go to a school and say, hey, we the link you want us. They need to come to us and say, we've heard about the work that you do. Um, please, can you come and open a centre here? Then we have to have, we have a cooperation agreement that we sign with the school. They have to assign us a space where we can work every week, once a week for two hours. Some centers are open twice a week. They also have to supply us with desks and chairs where the children can work and a commitment from the staff that they will support us That because we, we take the children out of school time, class time, and some people say, oh, but they're missing class, and we feel very strongly if they can't read and they can't do their sounds, taking them out for 45 minutes and enabling them to learn to read will actually enable them to be far better in the classroom. So that's, um, yeah, so that that's how we get into schools. And so hopefully within the next few months we will have, as I said, we will have 19 centres. And at seven of the centres we also have numeracy program running. Um, and in order for a numeracy program to start, we have to have had a, at least a year of a very positive literacy year um, in order to consider that. And then, of course, it involves more uh, volunteers and a centre manager. So that is the, the 
primary thing is the school comes to us. We then also need to have the school needs to help to source a center manager and volunteers to run the program because it is completely volunteer based. The resources are supplied by the Link Trust, um, which are books and various resources, our science cards, and we also supply a storage cupboard where everything is kept safely under lock and key. So a school can come forward to us and ask us. And we have a huge range of volunteers, um, range of ages, range of faiths, and we have some gentlemen volunteers, which is also wonderful for the little boys to connect, um, to have you know, just a, a rainbow nation of, of volunteers, which is fantastic. Maggie, you talk about the wide range of schools. Um, does, and it would have to be my last question, unfortunately, because we are running out of time, but um, what is the relationship between Link and the schools? Is it always a positive relationship? I'm going to say yes, because we work with the, as I said, we have the cooperation of agreement that we sign. We're signing it yearly now because there's so much transition between principals and staff and that sort of thing. Um, and generally our support is really, really good. Yes, a new teacher might come in who doesn't understand what the link does. And then often that's my role to go in and sort of explain what we do and just work with it. And it, yeah, they, they are positive and they just, you know, when we have hiccups, they say, please, you can't leave. You've got to stay. We've got to make a plan. So they do see the benefit of it. And the teachers, the grade three teachers will often come and say to us, you know, we just see the children who've been at the link because of how they do something. We just know they, they've been supported. So our relationships with our schools are good. We have moments, but we have moments with people. We're human beings. So hmm. that's part of it. If anybody would like to come and get involved, what should they do? Okay, the best is to go onto our website. So that's the link literacy project. Just go the link literacy project. Or they can um, email info at the link literacy to find out more about becoming involved. Uh, Joan is involved in that. She's away for the next five weeks. So if somebody wants to know something, they can contact me, which is coordinator at the link literacy project.coa um, to find out how to get involved. And they will love it. It's very, very rewarding. That's fantastic, y'all. Yeah. It's rewarding and you get to spend time with very cute young people in, enabling them. And uh, I see it as a... a, a just talking to you, a win-win-win-win situation. Absolutely. And you know, everyone says, oh, you must look at the children's faces. They light up when I walk into the link room. And I said, yes, but stand at the other side and look at the volunteers' faces when the children walk in. And, you know, if a child's absent, the, the volunteers are disappointed that they haven't mm-hmm. got their little person for the day. And I'm going to say for a lot of our people, they, they are retired people, and that two hours gives them a sense of purpose. They start to feel valued. They start to feel that they've got to give, and they have. I mean, retired people are not stupid because they're retired. They've got so much to give, um, and it is wonderful just to see so many people who have retired and corporate says, we don't need you anymore. Well, we need you at the link because you make a difference in a child's life. You know, two hours a week can change a child's life. You can teach them to read, and if they read, they can do anything. So, yeah, we, we are passionate 
crazily passionate about it, definitely. Well, thank you so much for joining me. That was Maggie Fassel, and she is the coordinator of the link, an NPO which helps children read.